Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special episode of Cranked and Ranked. It is special because we're uh, we're branching out a little bit. We're taking a step away from the world of rock and metal. Um, and uh, if, if for those of you who who listen to all of our episodes, you'll you'll know how this kind of organically happened. But we'll talk about it a little more. But today we're actually going to be ranking our first hip hop artist, which is really cool for me because I'm a really big hip hop fan. Um, so first off, if, if this, if this is disappointing to you, you can fuck right off. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) um, but it's very exciting for me. Um, once again, as usual, I am your host, Steven, AKA old head with me as always is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo, and I feel like that is especially appropriate for this episode. It is. It is Hell very, yeah. very uh, appropriate. Um, today, we're going to be tackling the discography of uh, the uh, classic hip-hop duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Um, and th- the way that this sort of happened is that I, I, every once in a while, will talk about hip-hop, either artists or albums, um, randomly in our podcasts. And one day, we discovered that uh, Eddie is a very big fan of the show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I was just like, ooh, would you would you want to do the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince discography? And he was up for it. Hell yeah. And I'm like, well, great. This is how we're going to step into the world of hip-hop. This is, I, I said this to Eddie earlier, this is not the group I would have started with, but I like the fact that it organically happened to where this is just, it made sense that we started here. Um, and, um, it's going to be fun. So, uh, any, any thoughts right off the bat about, uh, uh, your dive into the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince catalog? It, it was a good time. That's, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. It it's, was, it was both, it was both fly and dope. Hell yeah. It was like, it was like stupid. <laughs> yeah. Nobody says that anymore. <laughs> Like, I love that. Like, I, I think that was like episode one of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He has to explain yeah. the terms. Like, no, stupid means good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that first episode. You like they hadn't even like fully built any of the sets yet, and there's that part where no. he's got like, I think it's like soul to soul back to life playing in his bedroom, and he like stamps a poster to the wall with a staple and gun, the, and the whole yeah, set just the shakes. Wall, yeah, the wall moves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that you knew that that was soul to soul. That's a good, uh, that's an awesome reference right there. I'm a very um, cultured yeah. individual. <laughs> also, that episode, like you noticed that I think I believe in the very first episode, there's no um, will breaking the fourth wall. Like that doesn't happen in the first episode. Whereas episode two, I think he immediately starts turning and talking to the camera occasionally. Yeah, I think there's so, that bit. I think there's that bit. It, where he looks in the mirror, doesn't he? And all of a sudden, he's dressed like Carlton, and he and yeah. he screams. But yeah. I think that I think that's it. Yeah, that's as the, far as it goes. One one of but, my favorite fourth wall breaks was that if we so rich, why can't we afford no ceiling? And it just goes to the <laughs> studio lights. <laughs> yeah, that was a great thing about that show is they really 
every once in a while would completely go off the rails and do something that you didn't really <laughs> expect them to do. And I love that. But, you know, unfortunately, we're not talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which we I'm sure we will. But the more important thing we're talking about is the discography of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, which started years before the Fresh yeah. Prince of Bel-Air started. Back in um, the 80s. And so, yeah. And so... Um, as we usually do, uh, we'll talk about our introductions to uh, this group. And for me, my introduction to them was like a lot of people back in 88 when the Parents Just Don't Understand video came out. And more importantly, the Nightmare on My Street song. Like that song came out, like those two things immediately made me go to the store and buy the album. And I had the album, well, I still do, on vinyl. Like as a nice. even as a kid, as a ten year old kid, I had the the he's the DJ, I'm the rapper on vinyl, and played the fuck out of it. Well, of course, I I dubbed it onto a cassette, and then I just took it with my Walkman and shit. <laughs> but um, but I've been a fan ever since. So when 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 I found out that they were you know or Will was getting a show, I was just like, of course, of course, he's <laughs> getting a show. He's it's gonna be great. Um, so when was the first time you heard any any Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince? Probably in in early episodes of the show because i think uh which which one is it that appears in the in the mole episode where they go around and try and pick up a bunch of girls i think it's, it's girls ain't nothing but trouble that's the one yeah yeah but it, it was through the show but i i never did a deep dive until we did this and i'm glad we did because it's like it, it's just so fun there's like there's yeah. a lot of fun to be had with these albums yeah, and we'll we'll get into that for sure about about how important having a good time is in these albums. Um, so yeah, so so as we usually do, we're just ranking them. There's only five studio albums because um, after 1993, there has not been any more Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince albums. Although Jeff has done stuff on Will's albums, and they they still occasionally will do. You'll you'll see them pop up and do things together, but they haven't done any recordings or anything but um yeah so we're doing five albums as usual from the least great to the most great in this case i'd say there's not a bad dj jazzy jeff and fresh prince album i, I don't know why i have to say their whole name i'm gonna i'm gonna short it to jeff and prince yeah um <laughs> uh album because i really do think that while i do i do have criticisms about a couple of them um I, they're all thoroughly enjoyable to me. So let's just go ahead and get started. Let's let's let, let's jump into our first hip hop artist. This is exciting for me. Oh yeah. Um, like this, <laughs> the, you know, when I was a kid, the two biggest music genres for me were metal and hip hop. They were the ones that I loved the most. And so I'm glad that we're here. So let's let's jump into your number five album from Jeff and Prince. Awesome. So my number five pick, I went for Code Red. From 1993. Okay, the last album they did. This one, this one to me, it, it, you know, it definitely comes off the edgiest and most serious sounding yeah. of, of the five. It, you know, it, they've really shed the tongue-in-cheek moments of like their earlier stuff, and they've just gone straight to sounding like a, a legit, like straight-up hip-hop, which, you know, they always were, but they always had humor laced into everything whereas on this yeah. one on this one this this kind of harkens back to what you said about menace to sobriety with ugly kid joe it felt a little bit too serious at times yeah. 
like I'm just I'm gonna go into the track by track. Uh something like this. Uh coming in a little rougher than its predecessor already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'm looking for the one to be with me. Has that cool <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has that cool, like, vocoder funk vibe that I love. Uh, Boom Shake the Room is a fucking tune. You know, killer song. It's, I believe that was the single off this one that they had the yeah. video for. Yeah, I, I love the fact that in the very intro, like, in the music video, don't they descend from the ceiling or something on, like, on <laughs> ropes? And then yeah. it's like... There's just so many like cool samples at once in the intro to that song. I think there's like a funky worm sample. I love whenever there's a sample of um, funky worm by the Ohio players. I am I live for it because they are everywhere. But yeah, um, yeah. Oh man, and that's and that's a thing to bring up too is that um, as a hip hop fan, a big reason why I like a lot of old school stuff is because there's the the, the sample is way more prominent. Whereas you get to albums like this, once you get into the 90s, I guess because there was all of a sudden there was laws in place about using samples. And so yeah. you didn't hear them quite as much because you would hear albums where there were 50 samples in one song. Yeah. And then <laughs> eventually once you got into the 90s, there was a lot more uh, synthesized, you know, things to, to make to make the beat up, which is fine because in some cases that worked. But to me, it just wasn't as interesting because I always loved hearing music repurposed into something else and so yeah. I, I i love hearing samples and stuff which is funny because can't wait to be with you like follows the original pretty pretty hard <laughs> yeah and uh but it has a great feel and that's that's the key here um twinkle twinkle i'm not a star uh exudes the confidence yes you that are I, Will. come on <laughs> it exudes the confidence i wish i had because he's like, nah, come on, come on, guys. I'm, I'm not, I'm not fucking royalty here. Yes, you are, and it's <laughs> also, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, at this point, like Fresh Prince was was huge, and in '93, yeah. I don't, it had already gone off the air. No, no, they were still on. Oh, it had a few years. Yeah, that was only like halfway through its run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he was, he wasn't the star he would become, but he definitely was one. Yeah. Oh man, you get the title track. Code Red, it, like in contrast to the more tongue-in-cheek storyteller ones of the past, you know these definitely feel a lot more serious and literal. There's like not much yeah. innuendo going on. It's very much a this is what happened, and uh, this is why I was in this position. <laughs> but yeah. um, I, I wonder, I wonder if it had to do if it was a collective decision to do this because sometimes you'll hear if you listen to the beats that Jeff was coming up with on the early stuff and then on this stuff it already has a harder edge and a more serious edge altogether. So I don't know if maybe they made the decision or Jeff went that way and then Will sort of uh, adapted to it or, you know, but either way, like it's not like one of them got serious and the other one didn't. They both kind of became a little bit more focused with what they were doing. Yeah, it's not like they started playing like NWA beats, but like Will was still singing about being high school, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That would that would never happen because literally the one the one moment that we'll get to where Will was edgy, he just says the word bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was just like, ooh, he said bitch. I said bitch. <laughs> Sorry, that was my I, key I actually, and peel reference. I actually I actually did look into uh like the instances where he has like sworn in a song 
because it's very apparent right out of the gate, even on this album, that, like, profanity-wise, there is almost none throughout his entire career, like, uh-huh. re- regardless of, like, movie roles and stuff. Throughout his music career, I think he says bitch in one song and ass in another one that's not one of these yeah. albums, and that's it. And they're pretty tame swears, too, like, when you scale it up. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. Which is interesting, because as an actor, he was in plenty of movies where he where he cursed. Yeah. And so it's it's not like it was a life choice. I just think that maybe he maybe he felt like he would be different and, and go the more lighthearted route, I guess, by not cursing. I think I, it was actually because his... He started out... I, I, I did look into this, because I, I was intrigued. And his grandmother wrote him a note in his rhyme book, like, before she died, uh, saying uh, smart people don't got to cuss in their rhymes and or something oh. like that. And he was like, okay, that's that's my, that's my grandmother's advice. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's a sweet little story there. But uh, uh-huh. th- this one definitely has, like, the roughest edge overall. Uh yeah. Shadow Shadow Dreams. The the beats on this, like so many of them have that nineties New Jack swing vibe. Like there is definitely that like Yeah. I mean the not as much on this one as on, on another one we'll talk about, but yeah, there is definitely elements of that here. Yeah. Uh just kicking just kicking it is a fun sing along. Yeah, Ain't No Place Like Home has that nice chill vibe. I want to rock. I I actually love the purposefully old school vibe on this one. That's that's my favorite song on the album, just because it's so because it's almost like two different songs happen. Yeah, because it, it slows down at one point. But um, that's the most. That's one song that like I look I listen to. And I'm like, this is legit up there with their older stuff as as good because it's just so much fun. Well, that's the thing. I was listening to it, and this was like the first time in the record where I actually went, "Oh shit!" You know, like some of the stuff they were doing. And yeah, there's that yeah. part. There's that part where they all like kind of come together. Um, you know, Jazzy Jeff. He's just doing the scratching and stuff. And then all of a sudden, slows down. There's a drum fill. Mm-hmm. It all comes yeah. together, and then Fresh Prince just comes in. Like, oh man, it's just so fucking that's, and, good. And that's since since you're bringing that up, that's a good thing to, for us to mention right here at the beginning of this. That. Um, if anyone out there is thinking that like Will Smith is not a good rapper, that is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. he is very <laughs> good. And um I mean his style you I mean there are better, obviously, but that dude knew how to how to throw some words together and present it in a way that it was very commanding, it was very engaging and um you can see why he became a fucking superstar because even in his rap delivery, it's almost like you just couldn't take your eyes off of him. Yeah. And um so yeah, so when he has those big moments like they're up there with some of the greatest rappers in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree. And there there are some songs like throughout this discography where I was like holy shit, I did not see that coming. Like yeah. Th- there are moments like even in even in Boom Shake the Room where I, like I can't remember like but he does that like like triplet flow and it's like whoa. But um, yeah, then you get Scream, which is a fun closing track, definitely written for the live setting, you know, (laughs) that one is for sure. Um, 
I feel like all in all, it's good, it, but it's also much rawer and more serious than what I would likely come to a Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff album for. Yeah. You know? And uh, and that that's why it's at the bottom of my list. Awesome. So um that one's not at the bottom of my list. No. Although although it was it was difficult to order a few of these for yeah. me. So. Um especially these last two, number four and number five, but um I ended up as as surprising as it was to me, I had to end up going with home base as uh number five. Fair. Which is r- ridiculous to me because it has the song Summertime on it, which is an <laughs> yeah. absolute classic and one of my favorites ever. But my problem with, with Home Base overall is that it's, it sh- it's, it's the first one that kind of shows a shift to them being a little bit more serious. Yeah. But also it's the lightest of their albums. It's the least energetic of the of their five albums. And this one is the one that like, I absolutely hear the new Jack swing thing. Cause in 1991 around that time, I guess it started in the late eighties and it held over into the nineties, but there was a thing where all of a sudden, um, R and B artists started to take hip hop elements and put them in their songs. So you started to hear like an R and B singer and then there would be a rap part in the middle. Yeah. And then the same thing started happening for hip hop artists where they decided, oh, in the chorus, I have to have a hook sung by somebody with an R&B tip. And so (laughs) it became this thing where hip hop and R&B kind of became merged a little bit together, except for the more sort of hardcore shit and um, and your more straightforward R&B. But and and a lot of that was the new Jack Swing thing, Mm. which was like kind of started. There's a really great uh, if you've never seen it. And this this actually connects to Metalheads as well because the same people that did the series Metal Evolution, they also did a series called Hip Hop Evolution that is amazing. And it really gives you an insight into like where everything started. Like like things that you didn't even think about, even if you're a hip hop fan, you didn't think about where these particular things started. And that's a great series for that. But they do talk about the New Jack Swing and they talk about... Teddy Riley, um, who was a producer and ended up being in like Rex and Effect and stuff like that. But um, his sound, like that became a really big thing with the new Jack Swing and and you had all sorts of groups that were doing that kind of thing. So Home Base has a lot of that sound. And the problem with that is that it sounds too much like a whole bunch of other shit that was also happening in 1991. (laughs) Yeah. And so it doesn't stand out. And so because of the fact that they got a little more serious, all of a sudden you also don't have the humorous aspect. I mean, it's, a, it's in there a little bit, but it's, but it's, it's been shed a little bit. And so th- all those things make it kind of the least enjoyable album for me. Cause I do miss, I do miss the fun, but at the same time I am a person that says, well, I like it when a group gives us something different. So I'm kind of torn. So, yeah. By by no means do I think this is a bad album. I just think that it's the least enjoyable of the ones ones that they did. Um, and this album was big for them. I mean, they won like Summertime won a Grammy, and then I think they won. I think this won Best Hip Hop Album at like the American Music Awards, which is like that's always been an award show that I've always been like, why is this a thing? <laughs> it always seemed like it was the low rent Grammys. Like, oh, where's some other awards for other people? Um, 
But to be completely honest, that does surprise me that this won Best Rap Album because there was a lot better rap out there in 1991. No offense to Jeff and (laughs) Prince, but um, there was a lot better rap out there. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't really hold my attention the whole time, but it's mostly because it really does... Uh, sound like a lot of other things and it's too long but that's a 1990s thing and it's an, <laughs> and funny enough though when we're talking about hip-hop that's a thing that started in the 90s with hip-hop and never went away every <laughs> hip-hop album is an hour plus at least and yeah and, and some rappers will just will will two weeks later put out another version of their album that's even longer yeah <laughs> so it's like and so that unfortunately hasn't gone away. Some people are trying to get away from that. I know that there's some stuff that Kanye produced for some some artists where the albums were all like 35 minutes long and, and shit. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so home base doesn't have enough going on, even though it does have summertime. Uh, fun fun story. I, I I'll I'll tell that. I don't know if this comes across as embarrassing or not, but. <laughs> I was in the sixth grade, which is the beginning of junior high over here in, in America. And I was really into rock music and into hip hop a lot. And um, my school at the time was minority white. Like I was a minority at that school. And I really wanted to be down with like the Hispanic kids and the black kids and, and because, especially the black kids because I was really into this hip hop music and I'm just, you know, I wanted to be a part yeah. of it. And so... I remember in our PE class, which is physical education. I don't know if they call it PE over there. Yeah, we, um, we call it PE. Um, you you could break off into different sections of what you wanted to do. So you could do basketball, you could do volleyball, or you could do dance. And I chose <laughs> to do dance nice. just because I don't like sports. But <laughs> what ended up happening is I ended up getting put into a group where somehow I became the leader and came up with the song that we would do the dance to, which was Summertime, and I even choreographed (laughs) a lot of the fucking dance. I don't really remember much of it, and there's thankfully no video of it. But I just remember that that we had to put together a dance, and I guess for a grade at the end of the six weeks or something like that, we performed our Summertime dance routine. And um, that's the most not metal thing I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> do you remember the routine? You have to do no, like a, I don't remember. It. The, only, the, the only part I remember was that that part where he goes uh, two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. I remember we did a little steering wheel thing with our hands. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, not, that's not. That's that's nobody's gonna see that, but still, that, that's fucking. Um, awesome. That's the only thing I remember. It was probably a lot of box stepping, kind of moving back and forth. Um, but like it was, I don't. I don't have any memory about how I felt when we did it. I don't know if I felt embarrassed or if I felt cool or what. It's that part of the memory is totally gone. But anyway, <laughs> that's my that's my little story about summertime. I I did a dance routine to that and choreographed it. I was a choreographer in sixth grade. <laughs> that, that, I I love that we learn new things about each other every episode. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so let's 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 quickly move on to our number four Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince album. Cool. Well, I'm going to piggyback right off of that because my number four is Home Base. Awesome. So uh, you can definitely feel the more 90s edge on this one, Mm -hmm. but it still has a little bit of the previous album's vibes compared to Code Red. Sure. So there's a little bit of, you know, residual stuff hanging around. But aside from that, yeah, there's a big shift on this. And I think 
I think, you know, Will Smith even admitted that he kind of purposefully made his like voice deeper as well on this album, like to obviously get across a bit more of a legitimate, serious, look past the humor. I'm actually really good at this thing. (laughs) Yeah. Which I guess makes sense because if you're, if you're, if your primary job is doing a comedy show where you're being like this lighthearted version of yourself, why would you want to do that in your music as well? So it does make sense. I suppose that's true, because, like, you listen to, like, the first three records, and so many of the songs contain, like, lines that are lifted, or at least could have been lifted from the songs and into, like, an episode idea, you know? Some of them were, so yeah. yeah. Like, because I heard some lines, I can't remember specifics at the minute, but, like, I heard some lines, and I was like, that's... They they definitely took some influence from this one. <laughs> but, well, I mean, uh, they they would put they would throw lyrics in all the time. I don't know if it's the first episode or second episode of the show. I just started watching them all over again. I've seen them all, but it's been years, and I'm only on like the fifth or sixth episode. But um, the one of the first ones, they they do a line from "Parents Just Don't Understand," where yeah. Will says, "You're going to ruin my rep," and then Uncle Phil says, "You're only 17. You don't have a rep yet." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump into my track by track. I've got uh, I'm All That is a mission statement. You know, yeah. F- Fresh Prince is back in full effect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you get Summertime, great vibe on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Things That You Do, very early 90s pop song, 100%. Yes. yes. Like, that's, that's what where, I mean about the, about the, they felt like they needed a, a an R&B uh, uh chorus just yeah. do what you do you know that, that that whole it just sounds like they oh we have to throw yeah. some r&b in here and they did for sure like oh man you get this uh this boy is smooth and this song is smooth dude i love whenever <laughs> I, I love whenever jazz gets on the mic you know jazzy jeff rapping is one of my favorite things ever you know <laughs> yeah yeah oh, man ring my bell is a tune um also, this was kind of like, because I tend to do a lot of listening for Cranked and Ranked uh, while playing GTA San Andreas. Here's my thing. So <laughs> many, because the game's set in 92, so yeah. many of these songs contain samples from songs that appear in the soundtrack to the game, to, yeah. you know, for that aesthetic. And it, like every other song, I would hear something like, I am. I could just be playing the game, you know, with, <laughs> yeah. with all the with all the stuff that was going on in the songs. But, they unknowingly um, created a, a video game soundtrack back in the yeah. Oh, man, I I I love these albums because like they bring me a lot of nostalgia because it's it was like I was saying, so many of the samples that appear here, you know, are present in other songs, if not are the songs in the game. So I was I was sat there. And I thought to myself, God damn, I'm I'm in heaven right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, a dog is a dog. I feel like a Snoop Dogg cover of this would be hilariously not out of place. Like no, maybe s- like slow it down just a little bit, and you've got a Snoop Dogg song right there. <laughs> Lyrics wise. But uh oh, man, fun track. I like it. Uh caught in the middle. Yeah, you know, love and life 
deals with that's weird. We haven't had like a hyphen song yet. We we've well, no, we've the had last like episode, last episode last episode. I mean, last uh, album we did. Did I have Code a Red has one? Yeah, Code Red has one. Well, that's Code Red to... has uh, Twinkle Twinkle. I'm not a star. Well, that's that's brackets or parentheses. This this one has a hyphen. Yeah. Does it? it does oh, it, it does. Say that? Yeah. I, 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 so. I see it with with uh, with with uh, uh, parentheses. Ah, uh, Spotify shit the bed then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it that's a song that kind of deals with the ways life fucks with relationships and stuff and how things get in the way. And uh, it, I, we've all been there. It's a it's a relatable one, for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing as well with this with these last two. They he tends to go for a more relatable kind of thing, you know. Apart from the ones where he's like, "I'm all that," you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, there are a few that like actually kind of make you think, <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, okay. You you're gonna you're gonna sing about you know you're gonna rap about girls being trouble or or what <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Trapped on the Dance Floor is a fun, dancey one. Who Stole the DJ is another fun, dancey one. That's the thing. It's quite a dancey record as well. Um, You Saw My Blinker is another (laughs) storyteller, but it's a bit more abrasive. Uh, You Saw My Blinker, bitch. (laughs) And Uh, and that's the lowest vocal on this album where he he is all the way down here. You Saw My Blinker, bitch. (laughs) Not maybe not that low, but you know, still. I just love that it, it feels like it doesn't feel shoehorned in, but it's like he's making a point with it. It's like, yeah, I just swore on but my But ima- imagine being the kind of person like, that you can say the word bitch and everyone goes, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> he really means this shit. Yeah, well it was it's it's almost kind of like that time uh David Lee Roth says, You you look so fucking good. It's like, whoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, whoa, I'm not used to this side of you before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dumb dancing. Like, there are a lot of dance floor fillers on here. Uh, yeah. Then you get Summertime Reprise, which is a reprise of Summertime. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, man. I th- th- 30 years we've been racking our brains on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, I I like how they wrap up the album like that. Like just they're reminding you. Oh, by the way, remember summertime was on this album? Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh man, yeah, th- this one definitely marks a shift towards a more serious approach than the much more tongue in cheek moments of the first three records. But yeah, to me, it's still got it's still got cool vibes. I do like I like a little bit of uh, New Jack Swing from time to time. Yeah, yeah, no, same here. Um, I'm, we're we're actually going to crisscross here because my number four is Code Red. So we're nice. we're basically gonna, we're knocking out the '90s here, right in the beginning. Um, really, the only reason why I put Code Red above um, Home Base is because I feel like it's a more energetic album, and I like yeah. that. And it, it it is much more mature, even to the point where, like you said, how on Home Base will raps with like a lower tone, but on code red at times, he sounds gruff. Like he's got, yeah. he's trying to do a much more tough sounding vocal, which is fine. Cause I think the overall production on code red is beefier and it kind of fits it. Um, but yeah, once again, just like 
like home base sounds just like 1991 code red sounds just like 1993 a yeah. lot of other things that were already happening in 1993 um it sounds like a lot of artists of the time which is unfortunate but um i think that's probably the only reason why th- that this album especially doesn't really um people don't talk about it like you don't see this album a lot because it doesn't have a hit like summertime and it doesn't stand out from the crowd of stuff happening in 93 but I, you know what honestly i think that um on all these albums, Jeff still brings the party to the music. He just sort of has a different way of doing it. Yeah. And I really do think um, on on both of these albums, on Home Base and Code Red, like Will still comes across as a really good rapper. I think the problem is that he created kind of a persona of who he was as a rapper and then kind of abandoned that. Yeah. And so <laughs> now he's no longer that unique while the while he is still good and so you you know you you miss that on these albums but um i don't know i guess we all have to grow up sometime and so i guess they did a little bit on home base and then a little bit more on code red and then um at that point will was like i'm gonna go fucking make movies so bye it it also (laughs) it also kind of like coincides with like how, how he looked on the show as well like when yeah. you when you look at even during like the home base era, like he still got like the crazy like bright vibrant colors, you know the baggy mm-hmm. baggy trousers and whatnot. But like once you once you get to like this kind of season four zone where they've brought in the new Aunt Viv, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a distinctive shift in it in his dress sense where it's like a little more muted but still quite you know it very hip hop. But yeah, more the as the nineties progressed rather than the early part. Well, it, when it comes to the show, though, I felt like that was an important thing because the thing that I think was great about that show is that I feel like for people who weren't like me who didn't listen to hip hop, it yeah. gave them kind of a little window into that world without really being in that world at all, because it's not. He's in fucking Bel Air. But there's always hip-hop references, references to popular music, references to the culture, the dress, the lingo. And so it's almost like this was a really important show for like, you know, because obviously there was a lot of crossover hip-hop around the time, Um, Jeff and Prince being one of them. You know, they crossed over big time. But also, you know, you had your, your Tone Lokes and your Young MCs and people like that that were doing these accessible songs but I feel like this show was just one of those things where it was a lighthearted show, but I think a lot of people that probably uh, wouldn't have listened to hip-hop, maybe they started to because yeah. of the, the show. And so I feel like it was really important. It, it's, a, it's a goofy little show, but I think that it's aged really well because of the fact that it, it, it still feels like it was of its time and very important even though it was a, a sitcom. Mm. I, I feel like... In a way, it, it's one of those weird times where, like, when you look at it, it's just so fucking funny. But, like, that's what makes the show so strong. But, yeah. like, the dress sense is so nostalgic for people that watched it at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like I, like, I like to call it the circle of cringe, where essentially something is extremely popular for a decade goes way out of style in the next one and then the next one after that comes along 
everybody remembers it fondly and goes back yeah. to doing it. So it's kind of like yeah. something you you loved and then were embarrassed about and then go back to loving. It's kind of like what happened with you and metal, really, isn't it? Like, because you yeah. went out of it and then came back. Yeah, yeah. When I was in my 20s, I didn't listen to a lot of metal. And um, it, I mean, that we, we've talked about that before. That was a dumb period in my life just because I felt <laughs> like I had something to prove and I wasn't really being myself. Um but yeah, you you are you are right about that. Where it's, I I it, it's it's interesting for me to look back on some of these things, especially you know a show like Fresh Prince, because some of that is still so ingrained in my brain that yeah. I don't I don't even look at it as as old. Like I'm just like, oh yeah, that's that's how, that's how people dressed. Like that's not that doesn't seem weird to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, whereas somebody younger watching it would be like, holy crap, what were they what were they wearing? <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just I mean I, I I never dressed like that. I was always more. I mean I did a little bit. Like I think that I went through a phase when I was a kid where I wore like the the sleeveless checkered T-shirt. Um, and <laughs> I have, you know, and I, I, and, I, I <laughs> and I tried to uh, I tried to break dance. I mean, you know, I had I would I would get a big piece of cardboard and go in my backyard, and and I had a little boom box, and I would play I don't know the breaking soundtrack or some shit like that, and try to <laughs> and try to dance. It never worked out. Like I was I've never been good at dancing, but I wanted to do it, and uh, which is funny because this was before I ever thought about being in a rock band. Like I wanted to be involved in hip hop, not in rock music, even though I listened to rock music. And then yeah. it kind of shifted in the early nineties to where I was like, all right, I want to do rock and roll now. But I definitely went through that period where I would look at a lot of these things that people would wear, especially on fresh prints and be like, Oh man, I wish I could pull that off. That'd be cool. <laughs> For sure. There was like, for me, recently, I've become obsessed with eighties Jerry curls, <laughs> and I've I've just been looking around, and I just thought, you know what? That's a fucking cool hairstyle. <laughs> yep, it's one that needs to come back, people. Um, I mean, it occasionally it does, but but I just think it's it's pretty random. Yeah, <laughs> I want a um, coordinated Jerry curl revival to happen. Yeah. We, we 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 need one of those. Um, so, so we've, we've taken care of the, of the nineties now. So now the, the interesting part is where these eighties albums go. Uh, we got three more to go and, um, all of these were prior to the fresh Prince of Bel-Air starting. Yeah. Um, I do believe that on maybe around the time of, and in this corner, he was already in talks to do the show. Maybe, um, I think talks had begun. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is all. Um, Will and 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 Jeff prior to having a show, and so um, let's let's jump into it. What's your number three? Uh, so these top three, I'm just gonna say this is probably one of the hardest rankings I've ever had to do. I'm just gonna yeah. say it. I love all these top the, the the top three. I love equally. Yeah, they just they have qualities that put some above the others but this is this is a love fest here on in for me i'm i'm just going to go on record and say it was very easy for me to order these 3 <laughs> oh wow <laughs> cuz i have i have i have definite opinions on all three of them right on cool so my number 3 is rock the house rock the house the debut album hell yeah so girls ain't nothing but trouble fun as hell great opener 
and just one of those days is relatable as hell. <laughs> so, so before you before you move on, girls ain't nothing but trouble. So, so this album, like while it a lot of places you look, it says it was released in '87, but it was actually first released in '86 on a different yeah. label, and then re-released on was it Jive? I think that, that released it. Um, so. And girls ain't nothing but trouble is a totally different version than the later versions that would come out. Um, oh, wow. a, I, I believe that there's a little bit of different production style. And I think one of the verses is a little bit different. Um, and so on the first few pressings of this album, it's a different version of, of girls in nothing but trouble. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, the, the re the, I think the re-recorded one is actually a little bit better and it falls mm. more in line with where they would go with the next couple albums. But, but yeah. it is an interesting, an interesting fact about this album. I have to check that out. Um, but yeah, like girls ain't nothing but trouble. Great song. I, I I love it. I love the video as well. Just like running around in the, in the, in the room that's like, you know, was quite clearly the inspiration for the intro to the show later down the line. Well, but, that was uh, what they were doing in everything. Cause they did. Yeah. I believe, I believe the yeah. video for girls ain't nothing but trouble was actually done after parents just don't understand. Because if you oh, look really? at the re-recorded version, so if you, the re-recorded version at the very end of it, uh, Jeff says, first, your parents just don't understand. Then you have this crazy night. Like they actually refer to parents just don't understand, even though originally that song didn't come out till later. So it's a uh, very confusing timeline, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think it's because they got so popular off. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. They re-released rock the house with yeah. the re-recorded version of, uh, of girls in nothing but trouble. And then they did this video, which is very similar in vain to the, parents just don't understand video they were they were they were cashing in on uh, yeah. the popularity at the time <laughs> yeah uh, rock the house is a time capsule of 80s beatboxing featuring uh, ready rock c yeah uh this song feels like a talent show and i like that you know they're just showing off their skills yep and it's and it it just comes off really fun uh Taking it to the top has an awesome laid-back groove to it. Uh, the magnificent Jazzy Jeff is like a fucking best friend anthem. Like, it's, there's also <laughs> there's also like a nice amount of reverb on the vocals. You'll know you'll know uh, like a generous amount of reverb. And that's uh, a, that's an interesting thing, though. I think about this album. I might be wrong, but I I believe that on this album, there. Will doesn't do any like bragging style lyrics unless he's bragging about Jeff. Like yeah. that's that's he later on he starts talking about how great he is, but on this album he was just like, "Yeah, I, I'm the Fresh Prince, but check this motherfucker out." Like that was yeah. his his thing. I like that though. It's just like it, yeah, he's he's in total awe of his friend with him, and they're just you know that they're just having a good time, and yeah. uh, you get just just rocking. I'm I'm super jealous of you sometimes because like it this feels like the soundtrack to the youth I wish I had. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of these songs do sound like that. Oh man. And then like here's the thing as well. And this is a smart move even for 1986 knowing today's current climate. He had the foresight to get a girl's you know retort 
to Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble with yep. Guys Ain't Nothing But Trouble. like Featuring Ice Cream Tea, who yeah. honestly is a – she's a way better rapper than this song gives her credit for. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not really her at her best, but she put out an album, and it's actually really good. I tell you what, right? I feel like Will Smith has, like, covered his ass at every turn. He's, like, uncancelable. Well, we, like, we'll talk about a moment where he he yeah. uh, did not cover his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a touch of jazz is like a cool, jazzy kind of laid back instrumental. Don't mm-hmm. even try it. Has my favorite beat on the whole record. I love the attitude on this one, and jazz gets on the mic too. DJ Jazzy Jeff, fucking, mm-hmm. I I love it whenever. Whenever he's spitting, it's a good time. <laughs> I, have to, I have to admit, one big thing that I miss from this era of hip-hop is the DJ prominence. Um, yeah. Because, like, you know, there's other groups that did it. Eric B. and Rakim did it. There's a, it's a, it's, it was a thing where you would have rap songs, but then there would be a track where it's like, this is a track just for the DJ. And I, I for some reason, I miss that. I miss that that part i miss the duos where the dj is is a, is a very important part of it i know that you know i guess a lot of rappers they just have producers and they don't have djs but i miss that i want to i want i want that to come back i want to have albums come out where there's dj cuts where it's just them scratching or doing some sort of instrumental thing because I, I it was it made these albums so much fun yeah it kind of it kind of makes everything feel like a party doesn't it um and then finally you get yeah. um Special announcement, which is a, it's a fun little shout out, thank you letter at the end of the record. Yeah, uh, there's one as well on uh, he's the DJ on the rapper. I found out after I listened to it, but I I clearly heard the CD version, which omitted that. So that's the only track that's not yeah on there. But uh, aside from that, yeah, rock the house, great fucking time, definitely a party album. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's it's clear when you listen to it that, of course, they got signed up to a major and became popular because it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But it's not it's not my number three. Um, my number three is uh, is the the last album of the 80s and in this corner, uh, cool. which came out in 1989. Now, the. A big thing that knocks this album down to number three for me is the fact that overall, I don't think the songs are as good as the previous two albums. But the thing that always bothers me about this album is that it opens up so strong with Then She Bit Me, which is like no other song that Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince ever made. (laughs) Even the weird stream of consciousness lyrics that Will is doing where he's all like, oh, dude. Oh, oh, that's just jazz. He's invisible. And then later on, he's all like, Jeff wanted to do this, but I didn't. Like, it's all just like these weird things where he's like, he he keeps changing what he's talking about. Like, he's like, it was a mansion. No, it was a shack. You know, and and, uh, and then that great part where he's like, it was a moat. How do I get across it? Boat. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love that so much because it's so weird. It's a weird opener. (laughs) <laughs> but I love it so much because it's it makes you feel like, oh, are we going to get like something different here? Like, are they going to go weird on this album? But then all of a sudden it goes into, I think I can beat Mike Tyson, which is literally just like shit they'd already done before. And so yeah. you kind of go, okay, I, I get it. Mike Tyson was popular and this is funny. But 
the promise that that first song has for me, I'm always yeah. just like, oh, this is going to be killer. And it, 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 it didn't, at the time I remember hearing this album and being a little bit disappointed that it was, some of it was so much just like the stuff they'd done before. Yeah. Um, I have to say though, you hear a little bit of the maturity coming through in this album, just a yeah. tad. Um, and it's way better produced than the first two albums. I think the overall sound I think is, is better. But it just feels overall kind of less inspired. And honestly, I do think, if I remember right, this album was released seven months after he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. Seven months? Yeah. So you have to think about that. He's the DJ, I'm the rapper came out, blew up. You know they did tours for it. And then they did an album in seven months. So every time I hear this, I go, well, this is one of those examples of they needed to put something out. And they did their best. And for that reason, you know, it, it's here at number three because I'm like, well, shit, if they pulled this album out of their ass within a matter of months or less, this is pretty fucking cool, even with the weaker songs. But I really do think it's still a fun album. But whenever I hear this one, it makes you, it makes it make sense to me that the next album would be different. Because I feel like you hear that they've gone as far as they can go with this shtick that they have. Yeah. And while I wouldn't, you know, that's the thing is that we talk about these bands and I'm always like, bands need to progress. They need to hit us with something different. Um, and so I'm glad they didn't do another album just like this afterwards because you kind of hear them petering out here a little bit. But um, yeah, they, I, feel, I feel like the sound that they had was just a little bit too limited. And um they had already, in my opinion, they had already nailed it on the first two albums. And so this album was just, it's just kind of extra for, for those of you who enjoy the 80s, Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. And also it's it's weird how it's like, it's kind of weirdly long too. Like yeah. it's, I believe it's almost an hour long. Although the vinyl version actually omits two tracks. And oh, really? uh, the the vinyl version doesn't have the girl he had a mustache and it doesn't have Jeff, Jeff was on the beatbox, which is unfortunate because I love... Jeff was on the beatbox. That's a great ender to the song, to the album. But um, yeah, I, I think that um, overall um, it's got some good tracks, but I think it's filled with a bunch of okay tracks, especially when I'm comparing it to their first two albums. Um, and so that's why I put it here at number three. Cool. I think we, we could have another crisscross on our hands <laughs> uh, because uh I've got at number two, I've got and in this corner. Yep. So I will I will agree that you know it, it starts off with something wildly different and then straight yeah, after it. straight after reverts right back to what they had already done. Yeah. But you know it is the, it is funny how there's so many songs that literally feel like they all start with now this is a story like it's like it's literally (laughs) that every time not every time but a lot a lot of them feel like they start that way and so after after then she bit me it's just a little underwhelming there are a lot of instances of like storytelling in in the raps that will smith does that was his thing, man. And yeah. he did it he did it less on the last two albums, but yeah, man, he was a he was I mean, there weren't a lot of rappers that were doing that. So many yeah. rappers were just rapping about how good of a rapper they were. 
And yeah. he did that too, but he also told some stories. And so it was almost like he was the he was the G-rated version of Ice T. Yeah. <laughs> he would just tell stories. I like that. You, you, then she bit me has a, a delivery that reminded me of La Raza by Kid Kid Frost. Oh my god, that is a good pull right there. Yeah. That is man, you that see, I love it when you talk about shit. I'm like, how does he know this song? Cause yeah. that that song's uh, fucking great. This is for La Raza. Oh man, that's a fucking good song. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's a fucking great song. And unfortunately, the rest of that dude's album doesn't sound that good. <laughs> that song is like way better than most of the other shit on that album. Anyway, but we're, on, we're talking about Jeff and Prince. Yeah, that was like the biggest thing for me that stood out. I was like, oh, this has got more of like a more of a muted kind of down here kind of flow. Yeah. Yeah. You're so cool. I'm a cool. You're a cool. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think I can beat Mike Tyson like. This song to me is the perfect blend of fun and funny, you know. <laughs> it's it's not trying to do anything like outside of the box, but I I wouldn't skip it. Like I I still have a great time when I hear it. Yeah, it's still fun. Yeah. Um Jazzy's Groove uh samples uh Nautilus by Bob James. It's funny actually, like here, here is so just to reiterate my point about stuff appearing in San Andreas that is like <laughs> it's 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 pretty much like a that game is like an introduction to hip hop in general flat out. Yeah. If, if you study the soundtracks of that game, like the radio stations, I feel like that they're a very underrated starting point for people to get into genres because yeah. goddamn they work. But like, there's a lot. There's a on honestly on um on Jazzy's groove. There's a lot of samples, but also there's samples of other hip hop songs, which you started to hear groups doing, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. That because um, he, I'm, I know he samples "Bring the Noise" by Public Enemy, and I think there's an Eric B and Rakim sample on here as well. But um, it's just really interesting how that suddenly became a thing where 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 it's almost like they were giving props as they would say to yeah. the people that came before them and being like, we're going to include a little, little nugget of your song in our song. Well, that's, that's my thing as well with the, with the Nautilus by Bob James, uh, that appears in the soundtrack, uh, San Andreas. And it was just so surreal for me to actually, yeah. to actually be listening to these albums while playing the game. And while I was binging them, I thought for a brief moment that, two songs were playing in perfect sync with one another because I oh, forgot yeah. to turn the volume down in the game. <laughs> so what so, does, what, what radio station does that song appear on? Cause isn't that, that's like a jazzy kind of song. It's funny. Actually, there's, there's three stations in the game that like really cover these kind of samples. You got playback FM, which is the, uh, East coast, late eighties stuff. Yeah, you've got Radio Los Santos, which is the West Coast gangster rap stuff from the early nineties. Yeah, and then you've got this one called Master Sounds, and Master Sounds has all the songs that are sampled by those oh. artists. So they so got like Atomic Dog and shit like that on it, probably. Y yeah, it's like if a song was sampled on either of those two hip hop ones, the original is likely that, 
on that station. So it's cool that to have cool. this like it's like this ancestry like line you can trace through them. That's but, one of the interesting things. You can find some people online that do videos where they pull apart all of the samples, and sometimes it's yeah. something that you don't even hear. That's just like a really short snare hit or a bass line that doesn't last very long. That's just yeah. from some random record. I'm just like, that's like the the stuff that I love. This weird Frankensteining together, yeah. all these elements and putting them together, and 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 you have to be able to hear that. Which I know a, a lot of a lot of these artists that that's what they would do. They would scour record stores and they would get anything, you know, and, and just yeah. just to go through it and find that one second where they go, that's going to be the fucking sample that kills this song. And yeah. and and I love that shit. That's just so fucking entertaining. And and I know that some people get been out of shape about artists not getting credit or money for a lot of these things, but. I've, I think I've said this before on a podcast. If I ever released a song and somebody used a sample of it on their song, I'm not talking about completely ripping off my song. If they just took part of it and repurposed yeah. it and made a badass hip hop track off of it, I'd be like, kudos, man. That is, I mean, I feel honored enough that you, that my shit was cool enough for you to use for that. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to get paid. So I get it. I think, I think that the the difference comes when it's transformative. You know, there's that whole thing about fair use on YouTube. Like, yeah. say, using somebody else's footage uh, and then clipping it apart and doing, like, reviews and things and whatnot. It, I don't know. Does, uh, does fair use apply to music sampling? Or is there, like, a whole different regulations for that i'm sure there's probably some sort of limitations like the the length of time it can be used or how yeah. it's used because i think that i, I don't know it, i mean it's it's something that i've never had to look into because i've never done that kind of music but um it, i mean it, you still hear samples all the time and sometimes you'll hear samples you know nowadays from songs that are real prominent and i'm like oh well they had to have you know, forked over some money for that yeah so i'm assuming that they that there's laws in place that break down exactly how you can use it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool, though, to just see all these, like, Frankenstein songs and stuff. I love that. Yeah. I love that website, Who Sampled. I could spend hours on that fucking thing. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you'll find somewhere where this, like... You'll find something really obscure, like, say, for example, you know, Faith No More... Uh, sampling the Beastie Boys in Midlife Crisis, and you think, yeah. you know, how cool is that? Like, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know the Beastie Boys, and you, but you knew Faith No More, if you heard that, do 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 Car Thief, I believe, is the yeah, song. Yeah, like, it, it's just, it's like one of those moments where you realize, oh, like, this is also kind of a Frankenstein thing, but like, it, it it is a really cool thing. I'm in full yeah. support of sampling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same here. Cool. And then you, you, here we go. I I love that we've got two bracket songs in a row. Here we go. <laughs> Every, everything that glitters ain't always gold. Uh, is a catchy <laughs> song. Me likey. And then you got it. Donut. Uh, this is a song all of the simp's of the world need to hear. <laughs> for those for those of you out there who aren't as up to date as my Gen Z doomer ass is zoomer ass is S I M P simp is a sucker idolizing mediocre pussy. 
Whoa, I did not. I, I thought it was short for simpleton. Well, it's kind of developed a it's developed a new meaning where essentially a guy will give his all to a, a girl that's only in it for like some quality that he has, like, you know, kind of uh, she has like m- money and whatnot. You know, it's just like kind of throwing yourself in front of a train for someone who you know, wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, you know? <laughs> Man, I, I guess I, I guess I've been a simp a few times in my life. <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've all done it. We've all done it people. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, you got now that here's, I've noticed some parallels here. The girly had a mustache is essentially a hip hop dude. Looks like a lady. <laughs> and the reverend is essentially a hip hop, nothing but a good time. Oh yeah, see that's that's see I love hearing these through your ears like how you interpret them because I I I would I would never have thought of that. That's the thing I'm finding like there's a lot of similarities here uh, thematically with you know this kind of innocent high school vibe hip hop <laughs> with you know also the slightly less innocent glam bands <laughs> you know but they mm-hmm. they they want the same thing just uh some like it with guitars, some like it with turntables. And then you'd get that nice moment where, you know, run DMC they and call, Aerosmith. Over. Yeah. But uh, Who Stole My Car? I love I love this one. I love these <laughs> types of rap songs. Just that fun storyteller type of thing. Uh, the Men of Your Dreams is funny because it's like, it's kind of like a rap battle, but it's not. Like, it's a smooth talking put to a rap beat with a this kind of thing between Prince and Jeff and it's like Prince does his routine and then you know Jazzy Jeff comes along and he's like yeah yeah I've heard all that before and you spend 60 minutes with me it's much better you know yeah. <laughs> but I, I love that they've just got a great sense of humor um where is it numero uno Gave me the same kind of vibes as the song He's the Rapper and the DJ. You know, the rhymes on this are pretty unfuckwithable. Uh Too Damn Hype is a fun sing-along number. Mm-hmm. And uh Jeff was on the beatbox is an excellent high energy closing track. But yeah. uh yeah, it it wasn't my favorite though, because it's got one above it. Yep. Um, and you were absolutely right about us crisscrossing because my number two is Rock the House. Nice. Their debut album, um, which um, we have, we have already talked about it, but I'll, I'll hit on some points here. the The big thing for me is that as a debut album, this is to me is is awesome, just because you they already have their sound and their style ready to go. It's yeah. like their two personalities just were ready to to intermingle and create this music. It's a really confident debut album. Um, and the, but they would do better in my opinion, but I love how Will Smith is, is already the French, the French, the French prince. <laughs> the that's French a way, prince. that's a different, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, oui, oui. um, so sorry about that. The this is a story all about how, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, the fresh prince, he's already the fresh prince that we would come to know and love. And, and I, I just love how it's already there. Um, and, um, 
I just like you mentioned it before. Like I the I know he he was only on like I think the first two or three albums, but Ready Roxy as the beatboxer kind of guy is pretty cool. Yeah. I know they had a falling out later where he demanded money from them and shit, and then that didn't end well. But um, uh, I like him on these on these early albums. Um, the interesting thing about Rock the House for me is that is that Jeff's beats are a little more bare here. Where, yeah. um, but it wasn't just Jeff. It, it was a it was a trend in the mid '80s, where well, even in the early '80s, where once hip hop really started to gain steam, you would have all these songs where the just the drums were the prominent part of it. And if you had a sample, it would just show up every once in a while. But the yeah. rest of it, like Run DMC, would do songs where it's let's rewind that. <laughs> it's literally just them rapping over a beat and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of that in here where the, the samples are a little more sparsely uh, thrown in there, which is fine because it does sound like the, the era with it, it came out in, but um, yeah, but I love a lot of the samples that Jeff throws in there on, especially the first two albums. But um, once again, like, I think this is the thing that, um, I, I have to say about all of their albums, except for one, which is the fact that in, in around 86, 87, the sound on rock, the house doesn't really, f- doesn't really stand out too much from a lot of other things that were going on. I think if it was an album without somebody like Will Smith on it, I don't think it would have done as well. Cause I think his personality yeah. added so much to what they were doing. Um, not to take away from jazzy Jeff cause he rules, but um, really with this album, even though I think they would do better, the overall vibe of this album is it's, it's so enjoyable to me. And I love hearing the beginnings of groups and how much you can tell how much fun they're having. Yeah. And, um, like I said before, I like hearing songs where the DJ gets a chance to show off. The interesting thing though, when the, when, it, when the album wraps up, I believe, J- uh, Jeff and Will both give shout outs to their girlfriends at the time. I'm just yeah. like, Ooh, what happened to them? What happened to those <laughs> girls? <laughs> Cause I know they're not, they're, they're not with either of them, um, but they get, they, they, that's their claim to fame is they got a shout out at the end of, of the debut album. But um, really like this, the, the, the rock the house album, I actually didn't hear until a little bit later. Cause like I said, I didn't get into them until I heard parents just don't understand. But um, I just love the, the sort of it's a it's it's got kind of an underground feel to it while at the same time you still it's almost like how i feel to bring up this band again it's almost like how i feel about the first poison album it's like yeah they didn't have the budget but they still made it like they were the biggest shit like this is fucking gonna rule even though yeah. we've got this <laughs> the, this these limited funds you know to make this and so um i love that about rock the house and so that's my number two cool all right well um, do we, we have a joint number one. Hell yeah. This is exciting for me because if you were, if you would have put this album at any other number, I would have been like, Eddie, we have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead with your, with your number one for Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I've, I've gone for, he's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Yeah. And this is the first ever hip hop double album. Apparently. Yep. Yep. Damn. That's that's fucking cool. Well, there was only a double album, I think, on vinyl, which I had and have. 
Um, yeah. Be- but um, I think that the the cassette and CD versions they pared it down to one. It's still cool that it's got the uh, it's got the rapper side and it's got the DJ side. Like one's yeah. more focused on the other. Yep. And uh, I'm gonna start off with the rapper side. <laughs> yep. Cool. So a nightmare on my street is a fun, spooky horror story song. Uh, weren't they going to include it in like the fourth? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but like it was declined, and they had to put that disclaimer at the start of the music video that saying we are in no way affiliated with Nightmare well, on Elm Street. I'm pretty sure the music video never came out until years and years later because I don't remember ever seeing it until more recently, and I was a wow. huge fan. But from what I gather, they actually did the song, and then there were talks to include it in a movie, but I think the movie company was just like, nah, we got the fat boys for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even remember if that was before this or after this, but, um, but this was a, that was a big deal. I'll I'll go into that later, but, um, but yeah, the, I don't think the video actually came out on MTV because of the fact that there were legal issues with it at the time, even though Freddy Krueger doesn't really show up. It's a dude that looks like, fucking what's that what's that uh, what's that cartoon um johnny something where he's got the big tall hair i don't know what it's called but uh, it's just almost almost like he's a he's a zombie version of that kid johnny bravo or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a zombie johnny bravo with claws <laughs> oh man yeah i i i love that you know it's they start out with a fun spooky horror story kind of song like that's yeah. that's quite an 80s move uh here we go again uh not not the white snake version obviously is is here we go again not here i go again (laughs) is a uh is a smoothie groovy one me me Mm -hmm. likey uh brand new funk the flow on this one is hard like some moments on on this album i just think you know Will Smith, the guy, is just fucking good at what he does, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah that's, beyond, this is a standout track for him, for sure. Yeah, like, uh, Time to Chill does exactly what it says. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, t- uh, Charlie Mack, the first one out, the limo. Uh, I love this one. Uh, As We Go has a really cool feel. You'll, oh, you'll, God, that one's great. You'll notice that I'm just, I've just got like short little notes for a lot of these yeah. because I was just so caught up in listening to it. It's, that I yeah. was, there's, I was there's so many little by, things in the yeah. songs. Like on As We Go, I love that part where they talk about kicking the ladies out and they go, yeah. and it went a little something like this. And it's a door closing. And I'm like, yeah. that's so fucking cool. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, and then we get Parents Just Don't Understand, which, you know, obviously was a big single for them huge uh, and it, it's a song that every teenager needs to hear you know i wish i'd have heard it you know it legit except for the fe- except for the part where he where he uh where he i, I believe he's he's hitting on a 12 year old girl in the song yeah <laughs> does but, he uh, say 12 year old in the song <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think he he's highlighting oh shit <laughs> whoa maybe he didn't don't go know. yeah he he was uh he was unaware there's, uh, but, there's that. That's one of the two, um, um, a little bit edgy moments on this album. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Like, for for a rapper that doesn't swear, there's a lot of like near brushes with the law here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, 
a lot of the stuff like that appears in songs like this feels like you know premises for episodes of what would become the show but just because they have such a fun young energy to them um yep pump up the bass i'm having a great time with this album at the time of writing this i've put Mm -hmm. yeah uh, let's get busy baby sexually suggestive throughout (laughs) (laughs) and then let's flip over to the uh to the to the dj side which is which is on the vinyl it says on the other record bonus scratch album yeah which is so cool and it and it opens with something literally just called live at union square november 1986 and it opens the dj portion of the album and it's really cool to hear a very young 17 year old will smith just working the crowd and you can tell that's, that's that's where the other questionable part is if you remember in that song which part is that again um so he's calling out to the crowd and he was all, and he keeps telling everyone to to, to be quiet, trying yeah. to get them to yell. Yeah. And he's like, you know, all the girls that don't like guys, be quiet. And then they cheer. Yeah. And then at one point he goes, all the homeboys that got AIDS, yeah. be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one I remember it now. Yeah, <laughs> Which is so weird because it seems so out of character for Will. But also, I mean, this was in 80... I don't know when that was recorded. What did it say? 86? 86, yeah. So, so it's, in 86, I'm, per, I'm pretty sure in 1986, it was... There, there wasn't... There still wasn't an abundance of information about AIDS. I think it was all... Everyone yeah. had different... Because it wasn't... It, later on, it would become oh, very clear that this is a disease that affects anyone of any type. And But I think that, you know, it, it was a thing for a little bit. Because you watch, like, old Eddie Murphy... Yeah, and he's just—he does that whole bit where he's like, "You—you you give him a kiss, you go home with that AIDS on your lips." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's, so it doesn't bother me that much. It's more just like a man. I wonder what Will thinks when he listens to this today. Like, does he just go? Can we just edit that part out? <laughs> oh man, like that's the thing about like live performances, though is is they're unpredictable. So you can kind of end up here. You know, yeah. hearing hearing something you wouldn't hear on the record. There, there. I mean, it, honestly, it it. not it. Honestly, with hip hop, and it doesn't end here. Hip hop into the nineties, you'll still hear lyrics where you go, "Fuck!" They if they were popular, they'd be canceled. They would be canceled yeah. today for this shit. <laughs> and and so, like, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like it was, you know, the culture and the and the, yeah. the naivety, or I guess as you would say, of some of the performers. And so. You know, first, you know, so pick your battles is what I'm saying, people. If you're out there trying to cancel shit, pick your battles. Some shit (laughs) absolutely needs to be canceled. Other shit, eh, let's be a little bit lenient about it. (laughs) Yeah. Man, but then then you get, uh, where is it, DJ on wheels. I can definitely... I can definitely imagine this playing at a house party in the late 80s and early 90s. This whole fucking album, man. Yeah, like, it it really does have that, that... late 80s early 90s perfect ideal party album vibe yeah um my buddy features more beatboxing from ready rock c ready rock c boom 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 it's impressive <laughs> like it, it is genuinely impressive to hear because like I don't know the the state of of beatboxing these days but you know it was way more prominent back then yeah there are yeah. some people that are r- ridiculously good at it. I actually saw 
uh, Mike Patton's group Peeping Tom when they went on tour. Yeah. And he had this girl that was doing beatboxing and she was insane. It sounded just like she was just playing a record. Like it was, she was so good at doing this shit. So it's like some people have taken it and turned it into this art form that they've just perfected. And it's it's so interesting. Isn't it cool? Like to think the origins of beatboxing probably literally consisted of someone saying, Oh, we need a drummer. I got this, dude. And yeah. like, <laughs> well, you could probably also trace it, but way back before recorded music in general. Like, it was probably, True. you know, it's you know. So, I mean, I'm assuming that that's that's probably one of the earliest, you know, influences to this music is beatboxing. It just seems like you didn't have instruments at the beginning, but you had a voice that could make sounds. So. That's true. Hell, like, if if it's a noise you can make with your mouth, it could date back centuries. You know? <laughs> yeah, to, to, to the cavemen. Hell yeah. Those guys had taste. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, then you get uh, rhythm tracks, house party style. I have mm-hmm. a soft spot for old school dance music, and I love this. I yeah. love this disc. Like, But then we get what I consider to be the standout, and then what you also appear to believe is the standout. He's the DJ and the rapper, the title track. Yeah. yeah. Like, 100% the hardest thing I think they ever did. Like, yeah, and it's and it's interesting because damn. they they put it on the scratch album uh, part of the album. But yeah. and it and it and it almost like like psychs you out a little bit because it just sounds like it's going to be them just being funny and vibing off each, each other cuz cuz Wills are like, "Jeff, give me give me a short scratch. Give me a short one." And he's like, yeah. you know, but then eventually he just counts off and it, when Will goes into this Oh, yeah. One really long verse where he's just basically trying to tear apart anybody that doesn't think he's a good uh, MC, and that, that's all it. the proof. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. all the proof you need. Is the, is this? That's why I love this song so much because it's like he, there's other moments where he shows off how good he is, but this one, it's buried in the album. It's just like you just yeah. yeah, we just throw that near the end. It's so fucking badass. So it just puts like all the naysayers in their place because yeah. It's like if you if you can do better, go on, stand up, you know. Yeah. Jazzy Jazzy Jeff will play a beat, beat fucking beat this, you know. <laughs> and I yeah. like that. Um, then you get hip hop dancers theme, uh, more music. You could hear it at a house party during this era. Same goes for Jazzy's in the house. And then finally, you get human fun, video. Fun game. fact about Jazzy's in the house. Oh. Jazzy's in the house plays during a scene in license to drive where he is being driven around by the, by the driving teacher who was played by the guy who would play uncle Phil, uncle Phil, James Avery. In, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess when, when, when license to drive came out, fresh Prince was already a thing. So he, he it was just a small role that he had. Cause I think license to drive was 91, 90 think, or 91. I think I'm about to shock you. Cause I think license to drive came out. Oh, was, was it the eighties? Because I, I saw it in the theater. And sometimes I forget. 88. So I literally, yeah. there's so many movies that I just got dropped off to go see, some of which were <laughs> R rated. And I don't remember how I got into them. But I saw so many movies where I'm just like, somehow I got in there and I saw this movie in the theater. That's crazy. I was a 10 year old kid wow. just in the, in the theater. But anyway, so yeah, so I thought it was funny how like it plays in that scene with Uncle Phil, who would later on. Yeah, it's it's you know the what are they six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I love I love like weird 
family trees of like people who know each other. Like, yeah. oh, I know a guy. Oh, I know a guy. And then all of a sudden, all these things just happen, you know? And they tell two friends and they tell their <laughs> friends and so, and so on, on and, and so, so on. on and so on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it closes out with human video game and. It has some of the most beautifully dated gaming references. You, yep. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like, going to the arcade to play Donkey Kong. Now that, it's it's just fucking brilliant. It's a, it's a time capsule of an era. He's the DJ on the rapper, and uh, I love it. It's, it is that, awesome. That, that is one thing to this is not music related. You... Or, uh, 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 I guess, would you consider yourself a gamer? Would you use that name on yourself? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, more, so you, more in the in the realms of. I mean, I suppose I do, I do keep up to date with certain new ones, but my favorites are the ones of my youth. So yeah, yeah. So you didn't get to see the evolution of the video game, which I did in the arcades because. By the time I was old enough to like walk to the to my neighborhood mall into the arcade, um, you got to see the gradually video games getting better and better. Like I remember when yeah. when Street Fighter first came out, and and yeah. if I remember right, it was if it, I think Street Fight it was either Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat where initially the way that you played it, there were these big ass pads and you had to fucking pound them with your hand in order to like <laughs> do punches and kicks. Yeah. And um, so I, 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 I think about that and I go, man, you would have had such a good time being in there just to see. Cause I remember like the big games, like there was a Terminator two game, which was a shooter. Yeah. And it was one of the first, first person shooters I can remember ever playing where you just had these big ass machine guns, actual yeah. machine guns connected to it. And you would just shoot all these robots and shit or cyborgs, I guess yeah. they prefer to them there. And then like when, when the Ninja Turtles game came out, like all of these games that I just remember being such a big deal. And I played all these games and I loved playing all of them, but it didn't carry over into other parts of my life where I would go home and I'd be like, I don't really want to play any more video games. So it just <laughs> never, it never went any further for me. I think for me, cause I was born right, right before the PS2 came out. So, uh, I had a PS one first and I got to see, I had like a bunch of kids, kid friendly games on that one. I had like Looney Tunes games and stuff. Crash Bandicoot. I, yeah. Which I, so it's <laughs> Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Spyro the Dragon. I still play those, those to this day, mm-hmm. but like, I don't, I honestly cannot tell if anything is going to ever peak how well the PS two ever sold. Because that thing, the sales figures of that console are, are absolutely unparalleled. You know, I, I'm willing to bet once they 100% perfect the augmented reality kind yeah. of thing, I think that's when you're going to see that become the biggest thing ever. Because if you can actually, because you know, you have you, we kind of have that now. Like, I don't play video games, but you go to IKEA. And you can literally be like, look at this furniture in your room. And you scan your room and it shows you the thing in your room. And I'm like, well, shit, eventually, like if they have the technology to like use some sort of laser technology to actually project the game all around you, wherever you are, like that's going to be the biggest fucking thing ever, I think. Once it's realistic looking, like once it's, 
And then the porn world is going to explode when, it, when, that, yeah. when that happens. I, That's um, what every every technological advance is like. How is this going to affect the porn world? I cannot wait for uh, sex robots. No, what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose, but oh, man, the day they come up with like a simulation visor that I can wear that transforms everything I look at into like 1987. Oh what, yeah. Whatever, whatever its counterpart is, I am just going to be living for it. So I'll look at like a fucking Prius, but it'll register as a trans am. And I'll just, I'll think, Oh hell yeah. Finally, you know, I can finally, then- I can lose my mind and, and be totally happy about it. <laughs> well, That's the thing is that like there, I'm sure there are other, um, books and movies that have covered this but i remember um and this this travels over to your side of the pond i i used to be well i guess i still am a really big fan of the show red dwarf which is like a science fiction comedy show yeah um and in the in the show there's an episode where they play a game called better than life which is like an (laughs) augmented reality where you put this thing on your head and then all of a sudden you're in a different world but I was such a big fan of Red Dwarf. I even read the books that they wrote, which wow. were they were just you know their own episodes and shit. And they had a book called Better Than Life, and it goes into great detail talking about how all these people would forget to eat and drink and end up dying because they were so in this world they didn't want to leave. And in the world, like it wasn't telling you, oh, you need something to eat and drink, or if you did, you weren't actually eating and drinking anything. And so I'm sure that may have been done before that or after that. But I just remember that was probably around the mid nineties, I think when that book came out, but I just remember being like, man, that's, that is a really harsh take on that because you know, that's going to happen. People are going to die of starvation once they get into the, to the augmented reality. Hell, some people even do that now. There was like a dude that, uh, had set up, this is kind of fucked, but, uh, it's, there was this dude that was like hardcore trying to break this like world record for a video game. And he had like set up this like gaming setup where he had like a makeshift toilet so he didn't need to get up. Oh and my it, God. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. And this dude sat in such a long, uh, he sat in the same place for so long that I, th- I think eventually he got like crush injuries on his legs from like loss of circulation you can get blood clots from that shit too when he got up or something you know how they say you're not supposed to like i i I don't even remember if this was like the correct ins and outs of everything but apparently he sat so static for so long you're talking days on end yeah he just he fucking died after he got up because the blood flow was just so screwed but um that's insane don't don't yeah. do that kids yeah if there are any kids listening <laughs> no kids it, it, listen to this it, it, at tell, least, tell your children yeah. don't do that hold, hold on to at least 20 percent of your sanity you know the 20 percent that tells you you need a shit go to the toilet don't, don't make your own so you can shit in your living room and not come away from the screen yeah <laughs> Man, but anyway, that's a, here. Uh, that was a tangent just for you yeah. guys <laughs> going off on a video game tangent because the album ends with human video game. Cool. So it, it makes sense, but um, but um, I'll just I'll just jump right back to where we were because um, we have a joint number one. My number one is also he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. Um, 
which to me is the quintessential Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince album. Like I don't, they didn't do anything better than this. Yeah. Um, and not only that, every track, I'd say probably the only track that I may, may say is kind of weak is Let's Get Busy, Baby. That's a little bit, eh, it's all right. <laughs> but the rest of the album, I, I, I think it's, it's pretty perfect for what they were trying to do. It just, and it feels like a party from beginning to end. And yeah. um, Parents Just Don't Understand was a really great song when it came out. It was really big for me. I was probably the the exact age that you needed T- to be. Target I was, demographic. Yeah. yeah, I was like 10 or 11 years old or whatever. And um, I have memories of like we were in in school, we were doing typing. We would do a typing class, learning how to type, and I typed out all the lyrics to Parents Just Don't Understand from memory. That's how nice. much I listened to that song. But the big one for me was Nightmare on My Street because I loved the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Once again, I saw several of them. Well, no, there was only one for sure that I remember seeing as a kid in the theater, and that was Freddy's Dead, which I don't, I don't remember if that was 91 or when that was. But anyway, um, but I was a huge fan of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I watched them at a very early age. Um, I don't, and I, it's just, I guess in that, in that respect, I guess my mom was pretty cool. Cause you know, my mom bought yeah. me the first nightmare on Elm street on VHS when I was like nine, I think maybe, but That's I was a rad. huge fan. <laughs> like a lot of people were, I was so much a fan of this song when it came out that it's the only time I remember calling a radio station and requesting like, can you please play a nightmare on my street? You know, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know, that was me. Cause I loved it so much. I loved it so much. Uh, that song and Freddy Krueger that I, on my wall, I had drawn like a crudely drawn Freddy glove. And then right next to it, there was a phone line you could call to talk to Freddy Krueger. And it was like one, you know, nine, seven, six Fred or something like that. Yeah. And for some reason I wrote that next to it on my, on my wall. My parents were probably so pissed at me for writing on my wall, but I did it a lot. <laughs> and I just remember it was a little badly drawn glove. Cause I've never been able to draw and then it just said 976 Fred. And um, unfortunately, I could never call 976 Fred because um, I knew it would cost money. And I would <laughs> never be able to get my parents' permission to do that. <laughs> so, But anyway, so those two songs made me go to the record store. And I, I remember buying the album on vinyl with my allowance at the mall and lo- totally loving it. Like, I listened to it so much. And... um uh, like Eddie said, it's the first double album ever in hip hop, and um, and um, also, uh, I believe Parents Just Don't Understand was the first hip hop Grammy, like the first hip hop song to ever win a Grammy was Parents Just Don't Understand, which that's pretty fucking big. Yeah, that's um, that's an accolade. Yeah, and then on top of that, but that's the thing is that you get songs like those, and I think that those are not as impressive as some of the others. Brand New Funk is like one of the best Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince songs. And like I said, when when you're coming from Rock the House to He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, the beats and the overall usage of samples just gets turned up. And um, it seems like so much that they they were just so inspired that they just did so much good shit on here. Um, and like I said, all the songs, you know, aside for one, they're, they're all fucking great. Um, but the big thing for me about this is that it doesn't feel like I, like they, they so had their thing down on this album that I don't hear it and go, this sounds like all these other artists. This yeah. just sounds like 
Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Whereas other albums, you could take it and go, this sounds a lot like this. Um, and I think that that's what makes this album so cool to me is it is it's, it's pretty perfect all the way through, but also it's the most them that they ever sounded and while having yeah. enough time, I guess, to do the songwriting and put it, put it all together. Um, but yeah, it, and it's, and it's aged really well, aside from a couple lyric things here and there, but, um, <laughs> it's, um, it's aged so well where this album, I put it on and I still feel like it's just so strong. And obviously it does sound eighties, but, um, it's just one of those, you know, you want to have a good time, then put on, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. And it's guaranteed that, you know, you, like you could literally throw a party and just put this album on repeat and, um, everyone would have a blast. So that's why it's my number one. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Awesome. Well, we did it. Hell yeah. Our first hip hop, uh, cranked and ranked. And, um, hopefully not the last, I would like to do other hip hop artists, but oh, for sure. Um, we probably won't do them super often because I'd really do think we have established this as a rock and metal kind of show. And um, not everybody, I understand not everybody is into hip hop. Um, so that's, it makes sense. But um, at the same time, like I always say, if you are here, I want to give you all a, an extra special, gigantic, boombox blasting peanut butter platypus for those of you who listen to this and are still here now. Um, <laughs> if, if for some reason anyone's new that's, at the, that's listening to this podcast, Peanut butter platypus is just a thing that I say for those people that actually listen to the entire episode, and so for the real for the real G's that get to the get to the yeah nitty gritty parts at the end. It just came to my head one day as some random thing that we could say, and so occasionally you'll have people that comment peanut butter platypus, and that's just a way of saying, "Hey, I was with you guys the whole way," and that's um that's awesome. And honestly, I'm glad that I made it because you can hear my voice is kind of rough, but. I got, got my second COVID shot yesterday, and I am ooh, rough. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I am feeling rough. But I could not, I could not uh, pass up um, the opportunity to talk about Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. Um, do you have anything to add before, before we uh, wrap it up? I'm just really glad we did this. Uh, Me too. It's, 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 been a, it's been an education for sure. I'm, I'm telling you, though, you'll, we'll, we'll get into some other hip-hop artists, and I think you'll find... Um, the things that you like about it, yeah. like, you know, you, it, cause everyone's got their things that they are, they gravitate towards with hip hop. And, um, there's just so much good shit, especially when you're talking, j- j- we talk about this with metal and rock late eighties, early nineties, just like rock and metal hip hop, all in my opinion, all the best shit came out late eighties, early nineties. There's a real and, sweet um, spot there. Absolutely. Because yeah. well, I mean, because both types of music were booming. They were both experiencing so much popularity. Um, obviously, hip hop would become way more popular down the road. But that first boom, like you can hear it in these artists that there's just so much energy and and um, the vibe is just like, oh, man, this is happening. And you hear yeah. it in the and not just the rock and the metal, but also in the hip hop. And I love that. I love just putting on a record and hearing that vibe of man, shit was happening at that point. And yeah. I was too young to really be a part of it, but still. Like, well, I guess, you know, Will, I mean, Eddie, sorry. <laughs> I've been saying Will so much that I called Eddie his real name. Um, <laughs> which is, that that's a balancing act on its own because sometimes I'm all like, when do I call him Eddie? It's cool. I accept either. 
Yeah, Sometimes, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like the Eddie Sparks is your fresh prince. Like you're, I also, I also accept Mister Handsome Man. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that that's about all you we have for for me and Mister Handsome Man today. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll I'll, do, I'll wrap this up quickly. Do you, did you want to say anything else about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Since we we didn't really talk that much about it. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I'm I'm actually impressed that we we refrained from, from spamming too much about the show and just yeah. talking about the music. But that is like, that is one of Mister Handsome Man's favorite shows. One hundred percent is it's just it, it's aged really well considering how retro yeah. it is now. Yeah. yeah, like it's still so funny. But uh, you can, you can. I think right now it's on. Well, over here it's on HBO Max. Like that's the thing you have to have in order to watch it. But yeah. you have DVDs, don't you, or or something like that? I got the first five seasons on uh, DVD, apart from the nice. sixth, which is annoying because it's hard to come by an individual of the sixth season. But if I want to see the sixth season on DVD, gotta buy the fucking full box again. So <laughs> I bet you, I bet you, if you look on eBay, there's somebody that has just that season. You know. Because it yeah. seems like I, I go look for stuff, and it's always like this. This box set is in perfect condition, although it only has this one disc. And I'm just like, well, then it's not in perfect condition, you asshole. <laughs> one anyway, of, one of the, one of my favorite things ever. Just while we're on the subject of like, so it's not then, is it? I've there was one time I was in a band in high school. It's completely unrelated, but it just it just made me think of it. It's in a band during high school, and someone. Uh, messaged us saying, I can sing like Bruce Dickinson, but only an octave lower. And we turned around and said, so you can't <laughs> sing like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. But yeah. That's that's a, that's a claim that I would immediately be weary of. I'd be like, you what? No. Who, who, who can sing like Bruce Dickinson <laughs> except for Bruce Dickinson? Like there's... There are similar people, but come on, man. <laughs> anyway, um, wrapping it up with a little metal nugget. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's it for this episode of Crankton Rank. Thank you all for listening. Uh, next time we'll be back uh, with another rock or metal artist uh, to be ranking. Um, but please uh, put some comments if you're listening to this on YouTube. Let us know what you thought of this episode. And if you're um, listening to this as a podcast, go do the ratings and comments and or, or, or reviews or whatever. Cause you yeah, know, we need some of those. Cause I feel like I see other podcasts that are out there and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm normally, I'm normally not the person to toot my own horn, but we're better than some of those podcasts and they seem <laughs> a little more popular than us. So, you know, that's maybe that's what we need to do. Get some good gotta, reviews. Gotta and, get our and name out there. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll blow up and then, you know, we'll look back and this is, is how, how cute it was that we, that we were thinking that we weren't doing well enough. Anyway, so yeah, we're that's all the end. <laughs> that's the uh, <laughs> that's the end of this episode. Um, that's uh, I was about to segue into like an ending, and then that just totally fell apart. Um, thank you very much for listening to Crankton Ranked. You're all beautiful. We will see you next time. And as usual, I'm going to send it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks, or as you now know him, uh, Mr. Handsome Man, to take us out. Now this is a story all about how I told you later, dude. <laughs>